This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit BBQGuru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at TastyLicksBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue. With 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by iGrill. The iGrill is a Bluetooth-enabled cooking thermometer that allows you to monitor the temperature of your food and smoker or grill from up to 200 feet away. Using the free iGrill app for your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices, you can set preferred temperatures, and your smart device will alert you when it's ready. It's perfect for cooking steaks to perfection or low and slow smokers overnight. Head to iGrillInc, that's the letter I, grillinc.com to learn more. And by Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets, the barbecue wood pellet choice of competition cooks and backyard hacks just like me. The perfect blend of two-thirds oak and one-third flavor wood gives you that right BTU burn and flavor that you're looking to get all over your meat with smoky goodness. Visit BBQRSDelight.com. And by Arno Smokers, a custom pit builder using innovation and art in each of their cutting-edge offset and vault-style barbecue pits. Located in the heart of Texas near Fort Worth, Granberry has been the home to Arno Smokers since the beginning. Arno Smokers has continued to widen its range using visionary planning both on the design level and the quality of craftsmanship to bring their customers the finest custom pits on the market. Please get in contact with Billy, B-I-L-L-I-E underscore R-O-Smokers at Yahoo.com or Tony at Tony underscore R-O-Smokers at Yahoo.com or visit their main website, R, the letter N, the letter O, R-N-O, Smokers.com. And by Green Mountain Grills. Discover something you're really going to love, cooking with pellets. Green Mountain Grills are widely available across the country. Top-of-the-line manufacturing, but not the highest in price. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to get started on your pellet adventure today. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea.
All right, good evening, and welcome back to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. Yeah, it's the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. There's actually only one North Coast, but this is the barbecue capital of it. Uh, I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. A toll-free telephone call is all it takes, 877-448-0433. You can also email the show at any point if you would like to, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the website, thebbqcentralshow.com. For instance, archives how to sign up for the newsletter, all that great fun stuff can be found all right there. So just head on over while we're talking. Take a look around. If you've never seen it, you're new to the show. Hey, welcome it. Thanks for catching the show live. It's the best way to catch it. And you can do it on convenience as the tens of thousands, literal tens of thousands of people do each and every week. Uh, but the people who decide to take some time out of their daily life on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday to catch the show live, man, it doesn't get any better than that. Succulent barbecue talk live. Whew. Nothing comparable. Hey, here's what's happening on the show tonight, in case you're not fully aware of what is happening. If you haven't been advised or debriefed on things that will be going on tonight in about 13 minutes from now, he is a recurring guest. He is an author to be. He is contracting food scientists on payroll, and one of the favorite guests ever of all time. Meathead Goldwyn makes his reemergence on the show. Two segments as well, so lots to talk about. It will be turkey night tonight with Meathead. So, no pun intended, we'll be talking turkey, absolutely. Then we'll move on to the second hour, where we'll find icon, author, TV show host, cooking class instructor... A guy who uh, really no bigger name in the industry, especially if you are into it like we are, Stephen Reichlin, rejoins the show. And then in the second, uh, or helping me close the show, first-time guest, he is a fan of the tailgate, to put it mildly. Uh, you can find him at tailgate and then the numeral 32.com, John Trupiano. Hopefully I'm saying his name right. John Trupiano joining me. We're going to talk about what he has going on. He's got some uh, web series. First and foremost, the Tailgate 32. I believe they've uh, spun a NASCAR deal off on that as well. And uh, basically going around this vast, lovely country of ours and checking out uh, football tailgates and the fans and the teams. It's actually uh, very well produced. So if you haven't checked it out, not tonight, but some other time during off hours. Go ahead and uh, check out tailgate32.com. That's tailgate, the numeral 32. No spaces altogether. And uh, that's what we have going on the show this very eve. Lots to get to. Can't wait. Uh, since you're watching, do me a favor. Let's uh, see if we can't get a lot more people into the live audience tonight and uh, blast off an email or make a Facebook post, whatever. Let everybody know the show is on right now. Some links that you want to give them. Uh, if they are into the video stuff, you can send them over to OutdoorCookingChannel.com, which is the place that has hosted uh, the live video side for, well, ever since we started doing the video, they've done it, OutdoorCookingChannel.com. 
And you can get the audio side only as well by visiting my website, thebbqcentralshow.com. If you have a smart device or an iPad or a tablet or whatever and you want to download an app so you can listen uh, both on demand and at your leisure, it's the TuneIn Radio app, which can be found at any of the major app store deals on your respective operating system. Google Play Store, Android, or the uh, iPhone App Store. Uh, search TuneIn Radio. Then once you download it, it's free. There is a pay version. I recommend it free because if it's free, it's me. And then search BBQ Central. Add it as a favorite. And Tuesday between 9 and 11, Wednesdays between 9 and 10, you can get the show live. And then you'll also hear all of the replays that are being aired after uh, live shows take place. So there you go. Also, you can get it on Roku. If you have big screen television, you have a Roku device. Get the Outdoor Cooking Channel app through the Roku App Store. And then there is a Watch Now option, I believe, or On Now or whatever it's called. It's the very first option right next to me for my archives page on Outdoor Cooking Channel. And you can watch the show streaming live right now. If you're, As a matter of fact, if you're doing it live on the Roku right now, uh, if you can take a picture of that and send it to me, I'll put it right up give you lots of credit here on the show. So that's the way you can consume the show. Did you miss the show last Wednesday? Did you even know that there's another night of this show? Hello. Immediately get to the archives page on my website, or you can subscribe through iTunes, YouTube, or through, like, the Juice platform. You'll never miss another show ever again. Really, this is life-changing stuff that we're doing two nights a week here. You should not be missing one second of it, whether it be live or in podcast fashion. For instance, two weeks ago, Daniel Vaughn was on the show, and at the end of our segment, we talked about a number of stuff, but we ended on fast food barbecue, and in particular, we talked a bit about that Arby's brisket sandwich. And he mentioned the use of mayo, how it acts as a, for lack of a better term, flavor carpet. And it doesn't taste like mayo, but instead, because of its fat makeup, takes on the flavor of the brisket and coats your mouth giving you a more satisfying mouthfeel and taste experience. Wow. What a revelation Daniel shared with us. Uh, now, you know me. Had to try it. And I'll be got raced right out, raced to my nearest Arby's in Willowick or wherever the freaking city is that I can't remember. And, I, you know, I mean, the... Is it the most visually appealing brisket sandwich ever? I think, you know, if we're breaking down bones and you get to Texas and you're going to go to brisket, you know, they don't serve like brisket sandwiches. It's like on butcher paper in strips. So, you know, the whole brisket sandwich thing is a different realm altogether. But, you know, for brisket sandwiches, you know, it looked okay. The bun was nice. Uh, it has the... French fried onion straws on top. The barbecue sauce isn't actually bad, but you know, I was only concerned with the underlying layer of mayonnaise below everything else. And I have to say, exactly as the Arby chef told Daniel, no mayo flavor, but a rich, flavorful brisket taste coated my mouth. Crazy food science at its best right there, folks. Crazy people. I mean, it seems weird, but man, I'm telling you, with every bite, I was exacting and demanding, discerning my taste buds to make sure that I wasn't thinking myself into something that wasn't actually happening. 
And I'm going to tell you, it did not have a mayonnaise flavor. Now, admittedly, perhaps, mayonnaise used at Arby's might not be a very uh, full-flavored mayonnaise. That's a little more white than the normal mayonnaise that I use at home, especially when I use uh, that uh, QP mayo. The, the, the ja- is it Japanese mayo or Chinese mayo, whatever it is? I think Japanese. But damn it, that thing took on the flavor of the brisket. You know, and there's not a huge amount of meat, as Daniel covered when he was on a couple weeks ago. And this is kind of a way to make up for the lack of uh, meat on the sandwich by capturing all of the flavor that that meat is putting out while it's sitting there. And uh, it, it does coat the inside. I don't know if it's trickery, but it does give you a fairly satisfying bite and overall flavor in your mouth. No freaking mayo taste. Crazy. It worked flawlessly. If you have not even checked it out, I have to say that you might want to, not for the quality of the you know the brisket sandwich. Trust me, it's not life changing by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, to see that uh, there may or may not be what uh, Doctor Barbecue talked about last week, which is the te- um, the uh, tender quick. Smoke ring, you know, that may or may not be the case. There is a smoke ring, but it's very thinly sliced. I mean, I didn't take it out and start doing the pull test or anything like that. But for the sheer value of seeing that mayo actually do what the Arby's corporate chef or head executive chef, whatever the hell they call it, said it was going to do, and then have it well worth $7 for the meal deal or whatever. Although I have to say, very disappointed they got rid of the homestyle fries at Arby's. I don't like, I'm not a big fan of curly fries. It's just me. Evidently, most people are, because they ditched the homestyle fries. No option anymore, at least where I'm at. Only curly fries. But really, the brisket sandwich, worth a try just to see. It's fun. You write me and tell me if it's not fun. Calling you a liar if I'm not calling you for dinner. Right, gang, let's talk quickly about Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. Trusted online retailer, longtime supporter of this show, carrying many of the hot-button items that are very popular in the purchasing realm of uh, different barbecuers and grillers out there. Uh, for instance, Oak Ridge, Brines, and Rubs, complete line of Plowboys rubs and sauces. And uh, if it's not open yet, I believe they're very close to opening their uh, own restaurant, the Plowboys Barbecue Restaurant, Todd John's over there. How about the Smoke on Wheel products? Tasty Licks has them all ready to ship out to you. And, of course, you know by now that Tasty Licks is the barbecue big green egg headquarters, including many items for the egg you can't get anywhere else. These big green egg parts are in stock. Also, Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply now carrying Harry Sue's new chicken rub. And that won him a bunch of grand championships last year, as well as uh, overall champ in the chicken category for Team of the Year. Now, if you're looking for injections, rest assured that Tasty Licks carries all the heavy hitters as well. Butcher Barbecue, uh, Cosmos Q, just to name a few, every type of barbecue guru and their associated accessory. Tasty Licks, a green mountain grill dealer as well. Uh, Fred hosting a number of classes to the public, which uh, he teaches. And then he also bringing in some of the top names across the competition circuit to do those competition classes as well. Now, attention teams, as we just talked about, uh, all supplies for competition teams, pans in different sizes, aluminum trays, gloves, thermometers, turn-in boxes for practice. Make it your one-stop shop. TastyLicksBarbecue.com is the place to go. So head on over now. Enjoy all the Fred, uh, the, the Freddios, which is Fred's videos, nicknamed, I just coined a phrase, 
all the Freddios that Fred puts up there on his page. Plenty to look at. And don't forget Tasty Licks manufacturing their own line of rubs and sauces as well. Got to try those. The sauce is really good. Got to be honest. Very good. When you order, drop Fred a line that you heard about him here on this show and let him know that his support of the show appreciated. You're going to return that appreciation by patronizing his online, or you can go right to the brick-and-mortar store in uh, tropical Shillington, Pennsylvania. TastyLicksBBQ.com. That's TastyLicksBBQ.com. Meathead coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. That son of a bitch. Getting me going already, and I haven't even said nothing. Because I don't want to ruin it uh, before we get to this, of course. This uh, sweeping the nation. Bullet point headed upwards, of course. You can't hurry ribs by by the meathead at Meathead S? I don't know. It's got to be something like that. Uh, My next guest, a uh, monthly contributor here to this show. A website creator, budding author, a monthly contributor to this show. As I just said, you can uh, hurry many things, but you cannot hurry ribs. Let's go ahead and race over to the hotline and welcome back good friend of the show, Meathead Goldwyn, joining me here. Meathead, how are you, buddy? I'm ready. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Meathead, you can't hurry ribs. That's what I hear, at least. Uh, (laughs) Where's the music? What do you mean? I I just had it on. Oh, okay. I missed it. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. You know what else I'm missing? Wait. Hold I'm on missing... a second. Hold on. Wait, wait. D- you telling me you didn't hear this? Hold on one second. You don't hear that? No. What? I need ribs, ribs uh, yeah, I'm on Skype, so I don't know whether... Well, you should hear it. Does anybody else hear You Can't Hurry Ribs? Does anybody else hear that? Can anybody hear my theme song? I'm sure they can hear. Can everybody hear Meathead right now? Oh yeah, yups. What can okay. everybody? Uh, I don't know why you can't hear that Meathead. I'm very sorry that you couldn't get your own. Uh, oh theme well, song. that's all right. I've heard it before. I wrote it. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely, you wrote it. Didn't you know sing. what else? I'm you know what else I'm missing tonight? No, what the the Bulls in the Heat? Hey, forget about that. This is NBA prime time. championship. Oh, NBA yeah. championship. Uh, we got a long way to go yet before we worry about <laughs> NBA championships just yet, but that's all right. All right, uh, Meathead joining me here tonight, and uh, always appreciate the time you give to the show, Meathead. You know, I was going to kind of ambush you on this the thing that I was just talking about. By the way, great glasses. I don't know if everybody my, uh, can see Meathead's these glasses. Are my, my Raikland glasses. Uh, those, uh, those are your Stephen Raikland <laughs> glasses. Ah, ha, ha, I see. Look at you. Not only is he a budding author, he is a comedian, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. We'll be here all week. Uh, did you hear what I was talking about in regards yeah. to the... to the? Yeah. What's your thought on that? Is that something that you uh, have heard I, I, or knew about? You know, I love Mayo. And I, you, when you talked about Cupia, I ran right out and got it. And uh, I, I loved that, too. 
I use mayo as an oil. When I cook, I will often put it on um, a fillet of fish or a uh, chicken breast. Um, and uh, I mean, it's just oil and eggs, and it's a great binder for things like breadcrumbs. Um, so if I'm doing a uh, fillet of fish, I'll occasionally slather it with mayo, sprinkle it with panko, and throw it on a griddle on my gas grill, and then throw dried herbs from last year's garden on the burners, and it just fills it with smoke, and within an instant or two, you turn it over, and you have this great crispy, um, just like kind of pan-fried fish. And the mayo um, doesn't taste like mayo at all once it's cooked. It's a lot of fun to um, play with it out there. All right, we'll, pl- we'll play with it out here. Meathead says play with it. <laughs> what a perp. All right, uh, Meathead, tonight we're talking turkey, but first of all, what are you drinking? Ah, um, I'm drinking a modest uh, German Riesling. Um, and you love the- Riesling, don't you? Yes. Um, uh, underrated. Um, I wouldn't won my wife over Rieslings. Um, I dated her. We went to Chinese restaurants for dinner most nights, and I'd bring Rieslings to dinner, and uh, they worked great. Is it a Gewürztraminer? Gewürztraminer. Yeah? Yeah, we like Gewürztraminer. All right, look, we're talking turkey tonight, and maybe uh, Riesling, probably not uh, too bad of a wine to no, potentially think No, it's a good choice. About. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a good choice because Riesling is usually a little bit sweet, and um, if people are not fond of wine, they like a little sweetness, um, and uh, it, it's a good please-everyone wine. Um, your wine snobs out there will want a Sauvignon Blanc or a Chardonnay, but everybody loves Riesling. It's well, really an easy really won't the... Wine snobs want Pinot Noir. Well, I suppose. Um, cool. Totally right. overrated, okay. so by the way. We're, we're starting at the back end, but you know, if you're going to match wine with turkey, um, the turkey itself tends to be the least intense flavor on the table. Now, it doesn't have to be, and we'll talk about how to make it. More I was just going to make a, an incredibly bold statement, uh, so we'll lead up. We'll lead into that. But um, all the other stuff, the cranberry sauce, the, the potatoes, uh, that carries a lot of flavor. And so I'll, I'll work the wines into that. And by the way, a little yep. brief editorial. I think I did this briefly last year, but it's worth doing again. I just think this is the most wonderful holiday of them all um, because it's the really American holiday, even more than the 4th of July. It's the holiday where most of us eat the same meal. Um, uh, I mean, okay, so some people may not have sweet potato. They'll have mashed potatoes. Whatever. But most of us are eating turkey, and a lot of us are eating stuffing of some sort or sweet potatoes. And, and, uh, and not only are we eating it all together around the country, yep. but we're sharing this meal with people who came before us. And we're sharing this meal with people in Europe, in Asia, the soldiers. Uh, it's a... It's a shared event surrounding food. And, 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 and although we all like to grill and celebrate and have lots of food at 4th of July and it is American, there isn't this continuity of the food that we have on Thanksgiving. And, and, and I just think it's wonderful. And I tell you, all the people out there who are complaining about the war on Christmas – 
I want to tell you, with Macy's opening on Thanksgiving Day and all these darn stores opening up and making their clerks leave the Thanksgiving dinner to go to work and sell TVs and shoes is a national travesty. The war is not on Christmas. The war is on Thanksgiving. And, and it's an important American holiday, and I think we should all boycott all these stores that are opening on Thanksgiving and, and, and ruining the holiday <laughs> for their employees. Well, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty deliberate there. Um, you know, I'm not sure the people that actually want to uh, work on Thanksgiving would appreciate that, but, you know, whatever. Well, I suppose there are people who want to work, but I'll bet there are more who want to spend it with their family. Yes. Well, I can. T- let me tell you something, Meathead, and you're getting a lot of kudos uh, immediately in the instant chat room. You know, when I was a young buck growing up, uh, Chris, uh, Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving was one of, well, it, I think Christmas and Thanksgiving were the two most long-running traditions in my particular yes. immediate family. And then going on to my mother's side for Christmas, my father's side for Thanksgiving with his brother and, and uh, parents. But, man, uh, you know, there were times where I was old enough to realize what was going on, and uh, thank God I had my job at the movie theater that I could escape the uh, far parts of the evening and, (laughs) uh, you know, kind of uh, get a little time to myself. But nevertheless, um, you know, I agree with you, and I think, you know, I said it this last year, I'll say it again. You know, the thing that I like most about Thanksgiving is that, uh, A, everything that you said I completely agree with, but... But B, and perhaps even more importantly, you know, with every other holiday, there seems to be so much commerce and products and hype of I got to get this, you got to get that. And you just really don't see it with Thanksgiving. There is, you know, not a huge amount of buildup on television preceding it, really nothing Wait. after it. And but everybody is waiting for it and they want the food and you want the sandwiches later. And as you said, the family camaraderie and all that great stuff. Uh, and it's at least nice to see one major holiday escape a lot of that, uh, quote unquote, commercialism. Uh. Yeah, but uh, you've just put the kinahara on it, the curse on it. Now, <laughs> now we're gonna see, now we're gonna see inflatable pilgrims in people's yards. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, dear, dear, dear. All right, so let me but, uh, um, let me make this yeah, statement turkey. here before we start talking turkey. Uh, yeah. You know, intimidating for a lot of folks to prepare on the grill, on the smoker, in the oven. You know, however you're gonna do. But here's this bold statement that I want to make, and you kind of alluded to it. Uh, so I would like maybe your more in-depth take on. It. Even at its best, even at its best, turkey is eh, pretty average tasting now, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's a mild tasting meat. Yeah. It's mild than chicken. It can be bland, and if you screw it up, it can be really dry. Oh, yeah. It's a lean meat. So the idea in cooking it is to try to overcome these shortcomings, and you can. And, of course, I'm talking to the converted out here i suppose half the audience or more cooks their turkey on the smoker or the grill but there's a couple of tricks so i'm going to skip past the preaching about don't fry your turkey and smoke it or grill it and i think either one works great i'm not going to preach about my preference one or the other but there are a few tricks i want to um convey and if you're not doing the turkey and aunt aunt maria is doing it there's a tip you can give her that we learn on the barbecue, and that is when you set the bird on the grill grate, it's really kind of floating in space. If you drop the bird down into the uh, roasting pan, hey, I sent you some graphics. Do you have yeah, the roasting pan graphic? 
Do, Dr. Blonder. Do you have a number okay, to that? Yeah, I forgot. I could get them up, but oh, wait. Wow. Let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. That's that. that oh, that's right. that's last year's turkey. Yeah. Uh, isn't that a beauty? And um, you can see the dark spots under the skin. I put fresh sage leaves under the skin. Uh. There's still fresh sage in my garden. That's sage decorating all around there, and it usually makes it through the first few frosts. And sage is great on turkey. That's a technique. Get it under the skin because the fat's under there, and it melts and it uh, extracts flavor from the uh, sage. But uh, that's a good-looking bird. That's oh, on the looks uh, great. That's a Weber Smoky Mountain bird. Wow. Next, pop-up thermometers. Oh yeah, I just want. A lot of people don't know why they suck. Um, well, isn't it isn't it simply because they are calibrated to go off at a certain temperature, which yes. perhaps until recently has been at the overcooked temperature? Yeah, it's been up to 185. Yep. Uh, most of them are calibrated 185. Now, USDA says 165. And we talked before about um, the, um, uh, the, the, the safe temperature for chicken and turkey, which are both technically 165. Um, we talked about the fact that safety is a relationship between both time and temp. Um, and so that uh, if you hold it at a lower temperature for a long time, it can be safe. Um, but let's just say we're going to 165 where you can still get moisture. Um, this, the way this thing works is on, on the left-hand picture at the bottom left, that gray thing is like a piece of solder. And when it hits the, the target temperature, it melts and releases the pop-up. Uh-huh. So that, that's how they work. And they're, they're pegged at like 185. So the first thing you want to do is you pull that thing out and yes, throw it away. Correct. And then don't worry about the hole. It's not going to bleed. Second tip. And again, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm preaching to the the audience here because I think a lot of people know this. The top picture is the stuffed bird. And so heat has got to get all the way down into the center of that bird to uh, make it um, uh, safe. And in the process, it's overheating the exterior and it's drying it out. Um, whereas if you leave the center open, you actually get hot air moving in there, and it, appro- it, it, it enters the bird from both sides, the outside and the inside. And so you get a less overcooked bird and uh, more juicy. And the solution to the problem with not stuffing, because a lot of people get upset about this. Next slide. Okay, hold on one sec. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh there we go. Is the muffing. This is the muffing. Stuff, the muffing. This is a stuffing muffin. I, I, I put them in a muffin tin. You grease it up with butter. You put it in a muffin tin, and you get lots more crispy stuff that way. And you can give everybody their own, like, individual muffing. And it really is a big hit, and it's a lot of fun. So if, and, and, and you can – we'll talk a little bit about the turkey gravy in a little bit. But I'm going to recommend a thin gravy that soaks into meat and stuffing muffins. And you can pour a little the gravy on this, and it's really killer. All right, here's the next one. Ah, um, and, and the other thing is, is a lot of us cook for large crowds. And so we go for these huge birds. And um, it, I think it's better to cook two smaller birds than one big bird. Um, again, with the big bird, you by the time you get the center cooked and safe, you've overcooked the exterior. It's a little hard to read the numbers on the screen here. But all these are on, naturally. All these are on my website on amazingribs.com in the article on the ultimate turkey. Now it is Next. it is possible 
Meathead, that, uh, you know, even with a larger bird, because I can't remember. And, you know, as we go back to uh, me growing up with uh, Thanksgiving being one of the most, uh, you know, memorable uh, time-honored traditions in my family, uh, my mom and my uncle, so this would be my dad's brother, uh, were, uh, I don't know if they were tasked or if they just liked cooking it, um, but they were the two that always cooked it. And I I swear that that turkey was 700 pounds if it was a foot. It was so big. (laughs) But... uh, I, I can't recall it ever being overcooked or undercooked. It was it was always juicy and succulent, um, and so maybe they just knew what they were doing. Uh, but maybe succulent. by and large, succulent. Maybe by and large, uh, you know, the bigger ones could could cause more of a risk for the people who don't really know what they're doing. Well, okay, that, this raises another topic, and that yeah. is nowadays almost all turkeys are injected with a yeah. saltwater solution. Yeah. Now, this is a brine. This is just the kind, same kind of thing we might do at home. And, 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 and a lot of folks get upset, but, you know, all our competition cooks out there inject their meats. This is just done at the factory. Um, it's, it's a saltwater brine, and sometimes there's other things like phosphates added. But it, it's there because we know that brine, or salt in particular, denatures protein and helps it hold on to moisture. And... Um, that uh, it allows them to add up to 10%, I think to 8%, 8, 10%. I forget 10%, I believe I see up it. Up to most 10% of the time. now? Yeah. yeah. Up to 10% they can add. Uh, so if it's selling for two bucks a pound, then they're able to add on a pound or so of water at two bucks a pound, which is a straight to the bottom line profit. Sure. And th- this is really interesting. I was writing today, I'm writing today about organic food, which is another subject. Um, or, or one of the things that's happened to organics is that it started out as a bunch of really idealistic, motivated farmers who were going to make pure food. And um, then they got together and they started writing rules and what could be allowed and what couldn't be allowed. And so now they created this board, this committee that writes these rules. And, of course, they have to decide what's on the approved list and what's not on the approved list. And I found the exception list today. That is the products that are allowed to be used in organic foods that have been accepted because these are not natural products and they're not organic products per se because they're necessary. And among them, I was shocked to find that for apple and pear orchards, they're allowed to use tetracycline, which is an antibiotic. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're whining about um, antibiotics in pork and, ch- and, and, um, and animals. They're spraying it now, and it's organic. It's allowed to be named organic. They've written it. <laughs> What's happened is, is the big corporate guys have bought out all the little farmers. And they make these cute little labels, you know, Walden Farms, and it looks cute like a little farm in Walden Woods or something. <laughs> but it's, you know, Cargill or somebody. And um, uh, the, the, the idealism, the purity, a lot of that from organic foods is still there, but a lot of it is gone now, and it's slowly and steadily being diluted. And among other things, it's perfectly legal. This is where I got onto this rant to have organic turkeys that are injected with brine, salt water. So, um, you know, I mean, because water and salt, they consider a natural ingredient. Now, I think that really varies from the original purity concept of 
organic foods. We're going to give you just a straight turkey, but we can inject it now with salty water um, uh, because they're natural. And I don't object. I mean, I like to inject a brine. Um, a lot of people like to soak their birds in brines. Yep. And that's another topic we can touch on. Um, All right. Now, Dr. hold on a second. You're on a roll yeah, here, yeah. Meathead. Uh, let me put you in park here just for about uh, two and a half minutes while I uh, do a quick read, and then we will come back and uh, kind of pick up where you choose where we're going to pick up as we're leaving off here. Brian. Brian. All right. Uh, so we will do Brian here. Meathead is going to go uh, refresh himself, and then uh, we'll be back with Meathead here in just a second. Uh-oh. Maybe he didn't hear it. Did you hear it that time? All right. Uh, public service announcement. My good friend Stephen DeFranco from Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Folks, uh, look, it's no surprise that you are less than some odd days away from the holiday season. And uh, perhaps, just perhaps, you have screwed it up one or two or five years in a row. You haven't conveyed the right message. Uh, Quite honestly, you've been a shit for the last uh, number of years, and it's really time to redeem yourself. When it comes to the gift giving, that's why I want to turn you on to Stephen DeFranco over at Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, uh, located right here in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio. And you don't have to live here to take advantage of the savings, uh, but more importantly than that, you don't have to live here to take advantage of Stephen's vast knowledge of the industry. Look, you can go to you know a mall and deal with some of these chain stores and talk to some jamoke with a off-the-rack suit and poorly fitted shirt who really doesn't know anything about anything except to put a lot of moose in his hair and look like a complete tool. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to stephendefranco.com or give him a call at 440-943-2700 and then ask for Steve. And as Steve says all the time, and look, Steve has helped some of the highest-ranking barbecue officials and celebrities here uh, since he has started sponsoring this particular show. I do all of my jewelry work with Stephen, and I do pay for my stuff, by the way, lest you think that I don't. And you're never getting sold. You know, some of the stuff you're just going to get sold, you go to a car dealership or whatever. You know, when you're buying jewelry, there's a lot of things that need to be taken into account. Why are you buying it? What's your budget? Uh, What kind of a message are you looking to convey? Is that all of that going to translate into a great gift and a great experience for whoever's getting it? Stephen is going to listen kind of go along the journey with you along the way, and then once you get down to the end, uh, make some suggestions. But he's never going to force you into something that doesn't fit uh, or try and upsell you to something that's more expensive. That's not what it's about. Uh, He wants you to be happy with this purchase, and then down the road, earn your repeat business time and time again. And I think once you do business with him the first time, you realize I'm not just sitting here talking about something that I don't know, that I truly feel this way, and that you're being treated like a respectable human being. StephenDeFranco.com. That's StephenDeFranco.com. Or call specifically and ask for Steve. 440-943-2700. That's 440-943-2700. We're back, and we'll be talking brining in just about six seconds. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B, All right. We are back. 440-943-2700. 
We are rejoining Meathead Goldwyn. AmazingRibs.com is website. If you've never heard about it, you're probably living underneath a brick. Get the internet and then check it out. And then foil the brick, use it to cook a turkey or a chicken, for crying out loud. How about that? Spatchcock. That's right. Spatchcock all over the place. I love, I love spatchcock turkey. It cooks right. more evenly. We're uh, talking about now brining. Uh, we talked about how, you know, you know, mostly, look, for the, for the newcomers to the show, and we're not talking about the people that know about all this stuff, and this is kind of like uh, repeat business for them. You know, there's other things that uh, the turkey is labeled as. Uh, one of the trickery words that you want to look for if you want to f- know if the bird is enhanced, that's a word. How about self-basting? You know, I self-based myself every now and again. Not the same thing, folks. Uh, so, you know, those are kind of a key words that you want to look for. It might not say injected with it might say uh, self-basting or enhanced. Uh, so some words you want to look at. And, you know, labeling is probably something we might want to talk about here in a second as well. But what about this well, brining? Well, all right. So we were, you, you want to read the label. And it should just be plain turkey. But if it's got brine added, then you don't want to add more. You don't want to brine it. Or you don't want to inject it. I just want to jump back for a second because on the, during the break I put, stuck my head in the um, – uh, chat room and uh uh one of the one of the uh, uh, i think uh, david was saying that uh pointing out that a lot of the people who work retail and have to work on thanksgiving day yeah are women and that means a lot of them are working all day to set up for the party and cook and then they got to go to work at macy's or some place or you know best buy which is not exactly fair uh and somebody else asked about free range turkeys um and this is something else that uh, I, I, I did some research on. Um, uh, as I understand the law, f- to be labeled a free-range bird, they have to be given the opportunity <laughs> to go outdoors. Now, that doesn't mean they have to be raised outdoors. And, and you don't want your chickens and turkeys running around in the rain and the snow and the, uh, the elements. They've got to have a coop to come into. So they open the door. Well, the, the the reality is, is most of them don't want to go out there. It's bright and it's scary, and they're alone out there. They have a little fenced-in area they can, you know, to keep them from running off into the hills, you know, and uh, mating with their wild cousins. Um, uh, so free range pretty much means they're given the opportunity to go outdoors. Um, most of them don't. Uh, so that that's another one of these um, marketing terms. Um, uh, like natural. The word natural, I think most of our listeners know, has no legal definition. They tried to come up with a definition and gave up back in 1993 because arsenic is natural. Uh, Listeria is natural. Salmonella is natural. Uh, Poop is natural. Naturally Uh, fake breasts. (laughs) Well, I mean, if man made it, then uh, man being a creature of nature, isn't it natural? Of course. of course. So, um, in any case, um, uh, brining. Um, one of the things that my friend Dr. Blonder, if anybody has been to our site or listened to our conversations, knows I work with a physicist, a food scientist named Dr. Greg Blonder. And Dr. Blonder did some interesting experiments a while ago that I have written about on my site uh, on brining. And, 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 and he pretty much demonstrated that 
salt does do its thing. Salt breaks down of sodium chloride ions. It's really magical stuff. It can go down into the meat. Depending on how long you soak the meat, it can go all the way to the center. Most of the time in a short brine, a couple of hours or overnight, it doesn't go very far. But when you cook the meat, the heat of cooking makes the salt move right on down towards the center. So salt really, really works. But all the other stuff doesn't. All the apple juice that you wasted money on, all the garlic, the half a bottle of garlic that you dumped in there, the black pepper, um, everything else really just settles on the surface. Some of it dissolves. Some of it will get maybe a sixteenth or of an eighth inch in, but it doesn't go any further. So all that stuff is really just a surface treatment. So if you're just going to do a surface treatment with garlic and pepper, then you might as well just soak it in salt water and sprinkle the garlic and pepper on and save yourself a lot of money. In fact, there's even a better technique, and that is called dry brining. And if you rub the bird um, either on top of the skin or under the skin with uh, uh, salt, it will penetrate without being soaked in a tub. It will start because there's moisture in the, in the meat. The meat's 75% water. It'll come out because salt draws out water, melt the salt and suck it back in and it goes right on down towards the center. So you don't have to waste all that money. You don't need a five-gallon carboy to soak your <laughs> bird in with you know, four gallons of apple juice and bags of ice. All you need to do is the night before, rub the bird down with, a, with, a, with, with, with your favorite spice rub, I love an herbal rub. I don't use my barbecue rub my uh, with the paprika and the sugar and all that stuff. I like that for pork, but not so much for, for poultry. And just rub it down with some herbs, uh, you know, the classic uh, parsley, sage, rosemary, thyme, Simon and Garfunkel type flavors, and um, uh, salt. And uh, the salt will get in there, and the rest of the stuff will just kind of melt and hang around on the surface, get it under the skin, and you'll have a really flavorful bird. The salt will do its trick of holding moisture in during the cooking process. All right. Let me ask you this question. Uh, we've talked about some herbs. We've talked about the dry brining. Uh, we go back to my inflammatory statement about turkey just kind of being a tasting yeah. piece. I mean, what can we do to get some really good mouth-satisfying flavor in there? Well, first, first of all, salt. Salt is an amplifier. It's just like turning up the amp on your, uh, on your stereo system. That will double the turkey flavor. But you can go back to the original butterball. The original butterball was injected with butter. Now, I'm not one. I don't. This is just a personal preference. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to inject apple juice in turkeys or pork because I want to taste turkey and pork i don't like to you know i don't want to go you know i hear people using um dr pepper and other things like that man i love swordfish that tastes like swordfish and chicken that tastes like chicken so i won't go into all these exotic flavors and the cajun spices down in there but you can you can but injecting is absolutely the best way to get flavor down into the bird which is why they do it at the slaughterhouses why they inject the bird with salt water and if they could, they'd probably add other spices and herbs. It's just that not everybody would like it. But, uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can shoot it up, and uh, a lot of barbecue competitors have injectors. Um, melt some butter, and, uh, and, and, and now you're back to the original butterball. Or melt some turkey fats or chicken fat or schmaltz or 
um, uh, a chicken uh, broth or something. Uh, that helps. But here's a secret that I really, really like. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about hovering the bird above. Oh, oh we were showing slides. Keep the slides moving. Yep. Got to get to one. Um, OK, move next. Hold on. Give me a minute. Damn it. There you go. Spatchcock. OK, well, spatchcock. Great. Really good way of getting even cooking. Next. Oh, uh, great pair. Yeah, and, and, and really um, kitchen shears. These are good oh. kitchen shears that come apart so that they can get really good and clean in yeah. the dishwasher. Uh, if they don't come apart, then um, uh, you have to treat chickens and turkeys like kryptonite. The way they grow them and process them and slaughter them, and uh, uh, it's, there's a very, very high likelihood it has salmonella. So, you, you know, things like um, scissors, uh, sinks. Oh, and here's another one. All the food safety experts say don't rinse your bird, and they're adamant about it, not like, oh, you don't have to. They say absolutely don't do it. If you rinse the bird, you put more salmonella and microbial aerosol into the air, onto the counters, onto the sink. So they just say just strip it off and do not rinse the bird. Now, I save the juices, and we'll get to what we're going to do with them in a minute. How's, how are we doing on time, Greg? Keep slides. Yeah, we're good. Okay, next slide. All right, hold on. One-man operation here, Meathead. Ah, here we go. Okay, so I'll put this under the rack. This is um, a little white wine, maybe a little chicken broth. Uh, There's some apples, um, celery. There's great use for celery tops, the greens, the leaves. Um, uh, Potatoes, carrots. Yeah, maybe or carrots. Well, you know, it changes every year. No. I'm making a chicken or turkey stock, and this sits under the meat. And the drippings get in here. It picks up smoke flavor. And then before the bird's done, I'll take this out, filter it, taste it, and cook it down if I need to. Usually it's just about right. And this is my gravy, and I don't <laughs> thicken it with um, – I don't thicken it with flour because when you thicken with flour and you put it on the meat, it just sits on top of the meat. The flour is a carbohydrate, which are huge molecules. They don't penetrate. But this is a thin turkey soup, a smoked turkey soup, and it's potent and it's rich, and you can condense it by cooking it down. And you can then, when you slice the bird, drizzle this, and it goes right into the core of the meat. Mm. And this is a great way to bring flavor to your bird and it's turkey flavor um and it really is wonderful and what i do is i I, we celebrate thanksgiving at my wife's brother he doesn't live too far but the bird goes into a um a a, a beer a wine cooler or a beer cooler rather and this stuff goes into a coffee urn you know one of those insulated coffee urns and away we go it stays hot all through dinner so this is a really and there it is that's this and now here's another one don't trust the bird because the, the armpits, which is where the wings are, the crotch, which is where the legs are, that, if you truss it, you, you push all the meat up against it, and that skin doesn't get brown. Yeah. It stays pale. And, if you, and even if you're cooking indoors, a setup like this, where it's on a rack above the roasting pan, will allow the heat to get underneath. When you use those standard roasting pans, keep rolling. We got it. We, that picture must be next. Yes. Okay. When on the left is a roasting pan. So the liquid in the bottom will typically get up to around 175 
and 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 uh, uh, inside the roasting pan, um, even though you're cooking at say 325, the underside is only 240 or so. Yeah. But if you raise it up and sit it on top of the roasting pan, the temperature under the bird gets up to around 300. At and I cook at 325. Um, as as a general rule, the lower temperature you cook at the less overcooked the outside of the meat will be. Whatever you're cooking, whether it's prime rib or uh, brisket or whatever, the lower the temp, the better. But here we're dealing with chicken skin, which has a lot of fat in it. And we want it to brown and we want to melt some of that fat. So I take it up to 325 and that way I get around the rubbery skin. Um, but you, uh, you still uh, get a great flavor. Okay, next. Uh, this uh, demonstrates just what I was saying. That at, 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 oh, and then the other thing is, oh, um, um, is carryover. I think a lot of you guys know about carryover. Um, remember, it's the hot air that cooks the outside of the turkey. It's the outside of the turkey that cooks the inside of the turkey. Right. The hot air doesn't get into the meat. It's the transmission, the conducting of the heat from the outer layer, which gets hot. So if whatever temperature you're cooking at, the outside layer of the meat is rarely over 212. I mean, it, that's the temperature of water. Now, after you dry out the outside layer, like when you're making a hard bark, I mean, a, a bark is almost like a jerky. Uh, yeah. You've dried that out. That can get above 212. But as long as there's moisture in the skin, it can't get above 212. So even if you're cooking at three, 400 degrees, it won't get... But So that you've got 212 almost consistently with whatever you're cooking in the outer layers and that 212 then works its way towards the center well when you take it out of the oven a lot of that heat escapes and it cools the meat but a lot of it continues to move because water is a great carrier of heat It, it takes a while and it moves it down towards the center so you can temp that bird and take it off at USDA recommended 165, but by the time you get it in um, and then you serve it, um, it, it could be 175 and drying out. And here's another thing, resting. Now, I got a whole massive article on resting. I don't know if I have time to get into that. And I think we talked about this in an earlier show, but it's bunk. Um, the, 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 you don't lose more juices if you cut right into it. Oh, we covered and- this extensively. Yes. Michael Simon said you're full of crap. Yes, I know, and and he's mistaken, and we can prove it. Um, uh, That juice is not wasted, and I'm not going to get into it again. Um, But And I I really demonstrate it pretty thoroughly. Uh, Oh, and this this is just, I wanted to show people, see those two little orange spots in the center? This is the underside of the turkey. Turkey oysters. Right, if you haven't discovered the turkey oysters yet, nobody gets these but the chef. While you're carving the bird, there's these two little pockets that have this most tender, juicy, succulent. Hit the button on succulent, Greg. That is the best tasting meat on the bird. And there's like three bites there. Um, and th- those should go to the hardworking chef. Huh. Never heard of turkey oysters. Yeah. And uh, that's just a carving job. Uh, I think most folks know how to carve now. They've been showing it. You don't want to slice the breast off the bird, um, slice the meat off the breast while it's on the bird. You remove the lobe of the breast and then slice it across the grain. Right. And uh, it makes a nice presentation. That's all the pictures. Yeah. 
Yeah. You've done it. So uh, have we have we pretty much uh, questions? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. Yeah. Don't rinse the chicken. I see somebody over there. Does a uh, smoke point of oil that you rub the bird with ever matter as in olive oil versus vegetable or corn or perhaps even avocado oil? No, um, avocado oil's got a very high smoke point. Yes. I think it's 425. It's Learned that last week. But you're not cooking that hot. Um, and, 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 and usually I tell people don't use butter when you're cooking because butter's got a lot of water in it. Yeah. And that will slow the frying, which can occur between the oil and the surface. But, yeah, you can use butter here. We're cooking at 325, so you're not going to burn butter at 325, um, and uh, it's not going to be an issue. I don't like to baste the bird because I want the skin crispy, and basting is putting water on the skin, which is making the skin soft. Meathead Goldwyn, you can find him at AmazingRibs.com. If you have any more turkey questions, uh, A, obviously go back and re-listen to this uh, segment (laughs) or two. And then uh, head on over to AmazingRibs.com. He's always accessible by email. There's obviously a vast amount of turkey prep and cooking and all that stuff at AmazingRibs.com, so feel free to check that out. And as always, uh, we will be looking for you next month, Mita. Yeah, we want to tell You know what? It's going to be be December. It'll be the second weekend of December. Second Tuesday. Second Tuesday of each month starting in December. We're going to be regular second Tuesday of each month. Right. And by the way, um, if you go to the turkey page, you can make your questions at the bottom in the comments area. And I'm there all day. I answer questions almost within an hour. All right. Well, head on over. AmazingRibs.com. Meathead, everybody. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Always. There he is. Meathead Goldwyn. AmazingRibs.com. And check it out for all of your barbecue and grilling information that you may or may not even know that you want to have taken care of informationally informational folks the longest running sponsor of the show is the barbecue guru makers of automatic pit temperature control devices and typically this is where i talk about those telling you that they are the creators of the technology and why would you buy from anywhere else so on and so forth and i'm here to tell you Maybe you're not in the market for an automatic temperature control device, or you already have a guru and you are in the market for a cooker. Well, good news. If you are in the market for a cooker, look no further than the Onyx Up. It has a large pedigree of winning on competition circuits as well as in the backyards all over the country. It is a fully insulated unit. It holds a substantial amount of meat for how big it is. It accommodates the half and the full pans for food service and works seamlessly with any of those barbecue guru pit temperature control devices. So if you already have one or maybe you're looking for a package deal, it can accommodate any model that they have. Uh, Speaking of the guru automatic pit temperature control devices, a couple different models to choose from right now. You have the CyberQ Wi-Fi, the CyberQ2, the DigiQ DX2, and, of course, that Party Q unit, uh, that one starts at 129 bucks. So if you're not looking to break the bank at an entry-level point for automatic temperature control devices, Party Q is probably the place you want to start. Uh, $10 more if you have the Kamado-style cookers because you need that extra damper adapter at the bottom. But even at 139 substantially inexpensive, and you're able to carry it over from you know one cooker to the next. You can put it on a kettle grill. You can put it on a Weber Smoky Mountain style. You can put it on a Brinkman. You can then get the special adapter, put it on Kamado-style cookers. I mean, it really doesn't get any easier than that lot of versatility. 
So here's what you got to do. Head on over to thebbqguru.com and check out their products if you have any questions about what to order. Call them directly, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU, and they'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need. Get you up and running right out of the box, 800-288-GURU or thebarbecueguru.com. The Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Uh, we're back to wrap up the first hour and then point to the second. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show right here on Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. 877-448-0433. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Thanks again to Meathead for joining me the past two segments. Breaking down turkey. Uh, no Meathead in November. That's why we did the uh, turkey thing now. He is, uh, you know, on task. A clear and present deadline that book to get finished. I think it's uh, taken him about five years to get completed. Close. Close. I wonder when it's actually showing up. When is that thing going to make it to... uh... Meathead, are you still on? When is the book going to make it to publish? Damn it, I just dropped my pen. Amazing how those things. Spring 2015. What? Holy crap! Holy. That's that's not even next year. It's a year and a half from now. Watch out. Well, you know, once you get it written, then you actually have to go check and make sure that it's correct. Sweet Brown, you got time for that? Ain't nobody got time for that. Damn right. Uh, all right, uh, I'm gonna go reload my Pepsi Cola. Not sponsored, by the way. I suggest you refuel for the second hour. We'll meet at the top. We'll explain a little bit of stuff. And then Stephen Reichlin and John Truppiano, all in the second hour. Very exciting. You are listening, watching, and doing whatever it is you do on this day to the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks.
Revolution. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? We ate 54 wieners. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working right now. Ooh. Top men. All right, welcome back to the second hour. Happy to have you. 10 o'clock and 25 seconds right at the top. Plenty to get to in the second hour. Hope you're locked and loaded. I got to be honest. Uh, I don't even have a time frame on this, but over the next potential two weeks to two months, the show could be kind of touch and go. Uh, Here's what's happening. Uh, started last week for the uh, people that stalk me. I mean, follow me on Facebook. You saw the call for help. This, uh, the original Barbecue Central Network Studios is uh, going to be rented out. We we are out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we need to be out of this particular dwelling on uh, on or before November 9th. Uh, our house that we are building is not ready, and the builder is, well, pretty much a shithead and uh, is not willing to give us any type of uh, real idea or, and or time frame as to when the new Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios is going to be finished so I can set up shop there. And so in lieu or while that in-between time is happening, not only am I lucky enough to take reference uh, reference uh, take a shelter and or refuge uh, with my in-laws Get that big stuff out of here. I'm gonna need to find somebody uh, find some place to, to do the show so the good news is a uh, fellow Wycliffe resident has offered up their basement for me to, to bring the whole thing down and set up shop there got to make sure that we have the hardwire internet that's why i don't do shows you know remotely because i got to have the hard line in the back of the computer for continuity consistency and you know that could be for two weeks could be for five weeks who knows so geez op yeah you're john dawson barbecue central show van down by the river no shit more likely than you think uh, again, still to come tonight, Stephen Reichlin, famed author, product specialist, teacher of classes, multiple-time author, TV show host. And then uh, John Truppiano from Tailgate32. That's Tailgate, the numerals 3 and 2, tailgate32.com if you want to check that out. Uh, there will be programming notes. I'm getting it out there now. There will be no show tonight. Or, uh, tomorrow night. Well in advance with Ray on this. Uh, Top men in the industry require my full attention tomorrow, but we will be back for a full Tuesday-Wednesday run next week. Don't you worry. No show. 
No show tomorrow with uh, Ray Lampy, which is a shame because I just got a brand new intro to him, uh, even more new than the one I just showed last week for the people that watch it. So uh, make plans to do something else other than, you know, show up around 9 o'clock. That's right, Matt. Go to the bar. Lots of things can be productive at the bar. Uh, Let me show you a good friend of the show and a friend of mine, Jesse Black. You would know him. I've interviewed him a couple times from uh, Thermoworks. Uh, That's the company that makes the Thermapen. Sent me one of their new products. And I got to be honest, I think you guys are going to really love this. And I'm getting all lovey-dovey with the camera here because I want you to see it. Because if I just held it back... It's not very big. This thing is called the Time Stick. See this thing right here? The Time Stick. You might be asking yourself, what is a Time Stick? You know, the best I can sit here and tell you, it is a personal timer that you can, you know, carry right around your person. So uh, you can, obviously, you can control it with uh, one hand, you got the uh, digital display there. That's uh, the time. And then there's a mode button uh, down at the bottom left. There's uh, an M right there. Eh, you can't really see it that well. Um, but you can, let me cycle through here. I don't know if you can see that screen. And then it goes to timer, and then it goes to count up, and then it goes back to the timer. So I can sit there. I can set it for, uh, let's go, two minutes. So you hit two and you go zero for 20 seconds, and then there's two minutes, and then you hit start, boom. Now it's counting down right now. So let's say you set it for five hours or whatever it is. This is going to be you know, potentially really popular with the competition crowd because you do have this very long lanyard. So you can just put it right over your neck. Boom, here it is. Now you're free to go. You don't have to walk away. You don't have to worry about. Man, who knows what you don't have to worry about? Not hearing it uh, when you're in your truck and you should be up by the cooker or whatever the case may be. Uh, especially useful for backyard guys just like me because, you know, I, I like to maybe I want to get out to the store or do whatever the case. I can set the timer. I can do it all with one hand, put it around my neck, and then when it goes off, boom, I'm ready to go can reset it for another time, can reset it for, I can set it to count up if I want to. I'm still not sure, like, what the, why you want to count up. Maybe, you know, if you're timing something to to take place or something, you know, I don't know. I'm still not sure on why you need the count up timer portion of it. The count upper, is that what it's called? Yeah, you have one of those on your iPhone, Matt, but you can't put it around your neck you can't do it with, like, I mean, you can do it with one hand on the iPhone. But this is so, I mean, look at the package here. It's very neat, very tight. Uh, operation is simple. Man, I'm telling you, those guys come up with great products that aren't even uh, thermo thermometer related. Check it out. You can uh, check them out at thermoworks.com and then punch in time stick if it's not there on the front of the website. Um, I don't know. What can I tell you? I think it's pretty cool. And I'm not just saying that. It's pretty cool. Plus, he sent me a new th- uh, rubber sheathed probe because, see, listen, right? Now I go, stop, boom. 
And I'm going to go back to uh, the time of the day, 10.07. Beautiful. Uh, check it out. It's called the Time Stick, if you want. All right. The Jack Daniels World Barbecue Championship cook-off took place this past weekend. And uh, on the heels of his American Royal Invitational win, walking away with Grand Champion at 693.1, Tuffy Stone Cool Smoke. In a related and somewhat sad note, I am over two now getting him to talk about his big win. Look, far be it for me to tell anybody who should be on the show or not, but if you win the American Royal Invitational, you win the Jack Daniels all in the same month, I mean, winning one of those, let alone both, in a competition career is one thing in the same month. I don't even know if that's ever been done before. Might want to avail yourself to the show. Word to the wise, tough. Word to the wise. Bad karma. And not, not from lack of trying either. I even broke down and Facebook messaged him. Didn't even get squat back. Squat. Get that big stuff out of here. People want to hear you talk about the wins, Tuffy. I know you're very modest. I mean, I don't know if there is a more beloved figure in barbecue. Forget competition barbecue. Just in barbecue in general than one Tuffy Stone. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I think I'm very confident saying I don't think there is a more beloved figure. Uh, Well-respected, people that, uh, a guy that people just like. It's got to be Tuffy, right? Got to be. So I'm a little disappointed that I wasn't able to land him uh, for one or both of those interviews. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, a boy in his grill reserve, Blazing Barbecue 3rd, Insane Swine Barbecue 4th, Qow fifth, four twenty Q sixth, Joe Bob's barbecue seventh, Killer Bees barbecue eighth. They won Sam's Club the week before, uh, the week prior. Here's this guy again, Gilly's barbecue ninth overall. Very good showing out of ninety seven teams, and then rounding out the top ten, IAB thirty barbecue, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a West Coast team. Uh, quickly giving you the Sam's Club top ten from two weeks ago. Killer Bees, as I just said, won that. Iowa Smokey D's Barbecue was second. Pigskin took third. Lucky's Q, uh, who was last year's champion, fourth place. So very respectable showing. Chad Hayden at Moonswiner's fifth. Dan Hickson and the boys at three eyes, sixth place. ZBQ seventh. Second City Smoke eighth. Outlaw Hog Barbecue ninth. And Tippy Canoe Barbecue Crew rebounding from their local ousting last year, making it to the finals top ten. So congratulations to uh, Joe Beeland and the crew over Tippy Canoe. You're cut off with the biggest competitions that took place over the last two weeks. You're welcome. Stephen Reichland coming up out of the break. Arno Smokers is a custom pit builder combining innovation and art in each of their cutting-edge offset and vault-style barbecue pits. Located in the heart of Texas near Fort Worth, a little city called Granbury, has been home to Arno Smokers since its inception. Arno Smokers has continued to widen its range using visionary planning both on the design level and the quality of the craftsmanship to bring their customers the finest custom pits on the market today. Now, have you been looking for a custom pit without the hefty price tag and weight of some other manufacturers on the market? Look, I understand you want a great pit, but you want it now. 
Make RO Smokers your first choice when you're looking at these new pits. You know, a lot of them are very costly. You want to make sure you're getting uh, QPR, quality price ratio, taking everything into account. Now, mention you heard about RO Smokers right here on the Barbecue Central show, and you can receive an additional discount off the already low price. For more information, follow the link to their Facebook page, which can be found on the Barbecue Central Show website. Click on the logo at the right of the visitors page or the home page. Uh, you can also visit the sponsors page or the links page, and that will get you right to their Facebook page. Or conversely, you can email one or both Billy Overton, B I L L I E, Billy underscore R O Smokers at yahoo.com, or Tony Belay, pitmaster of Lone Star Smoke Rangers. Tony underscore R.O. Smokers at Yahoo.com. Once again, Billy, B-I-L-L-I-E, at R.O. Smokers at Yahoo.com. Tony, T-O-N-Y underscore R.O. Smokers at Yahoo.com. Don't forget to check out their Facebook page regularly for weekly drawings and giveaways from their barbecue partners as well. And again, you can find their Facebook page by going to my website, Barbecue Central Show. Click on their logo at the main page or visit the sponsors or links page. That will get you over to the Arno Smokers Facebook page, which is where they do uh, a lot of their primary communication. Look, folks, I don't know if you know it or not, Facebook is not just a passing fat popular. People are really starting to, to use it nowadays, uh, and that's what they prefer. So check them out. You can win something, too, if you go over there. Why not? Stephen Reichlin coming up next. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. Oh, wrong button. A little self-involved, I know. A little self-involved, I know. Uh, my next author, multiple time, or my next guest, multiple time author, TV host, cooking class instructor, and has become a regular here on this show to boot. Let's head on over and welcome in friend of the show, Stephen Reichlin. Stephen, how are you, buddy? Good evening. I'm great. How are you? Doing absolutely fabulous, Stephen. Appreciate you asking and making time for the show, as always. A uh, number of topics to get to, but if I could press you right into service, because uh, never... Let it be said that I am not looking out faithfully for the people and audience of uh, my show here, the Barbecue Central, better known as the Centralites. Stephen, do you have a good chowder base recipe? Not like all the stuff you're going to put into it, but like a, just a good base recipe for chowder. Well, uh, I do. You want chowder on the grill or chowder uh, chowder indoors like we make it in the winter in New England? I think hey, well, I'm going to give it to you on the grill anyway. Go ahead. So uh, for me, it's corn chowder, and uh, you want to grill the corn husk off, as I always do, so you caramelize the kernels. While you're at it, uh, grill quartered onions, uh, grill uh, a couple of cloves of garlic on a toothpick. Uh, You can grill some celery and chop all those up, and then you saute the grilled vegetables in uh, butter, Add a little flour and cook it to a really dark roux. 
And then at that point, I would add uh, equal parts chicken stock uh, or vegetable stock and half and half. And the flour will thicken the chowder up a little bit. By the way, uh, corn chowder is also really good with uh, some grilled red bell pepper. But what the grilling does is it... uh, it gives you a smoke dimension, and you know how when you grill vegetables, you just caramelize all those plant sugars and really pop up the sweetness. Well, that comes through in the chowder. Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show. Appreciate that. Uh, you can visit his website, barbecuebible.com, just chock full of information, a, a real go-to source if you want to uh, really brush up on your skills there. You know, I was actually uh, reading through the blog a couple weeks ago, Stephen, noticed that we are in the midst well, I guess now kind of coming to the close of uh, Apple Month. And I know one of your mantras, uh, as we just talked about, is if it tastes good inside, it's even better on the grill. What are some tips when it comes to apples? Which ones to choose? Well, you know, apples, uh, uh, before I even get to tips, I mean, I I think we should have a moment of uh, (laughs) respect and veneration for the apple, because if you think about uh, it's America's fruit, if you think about how many ways apple uh, apple enters barbecue, I mean, first of all, apple wood, a super fuel for grilling and smoking, mm. uh, the secret of a lot of pitmasters, uh, especially from the Midwest and New England. Uh, apple juice, uh, a great uh, ingredient for spraying on ribs and pork shoulders as they cook to add an extra layer of flavor, keep them moist. Uh, Apple basting sauce made by uh, mixing equal parts apple cider and uh, melted salted butter, uh, brushed on poultry, brushed on ribs, absolutely fabulous. And then uh, every imaginable uh, apple cider or apple sauce or apple butter-based barbecue sauces. Um, The apple adds sweetness, of course, and fruitiness, but also a good apple will have an under-edge of acidity. Uh, what you need in a barbecue sauce. And we haven't even gotten to cooking apples on the grill or in the smoker. Uh, But uh, in in terms of that, I mean, you know, everything from apple steaks where you'd cut an apple crosswise into finger-thick slices, brush it with melted butter, maybe dust it with uh, cinnamon sugar and cook it on a screaming hot grill, you know, so you caramelize the cinnamon sugar and butter and then lay on some nice grill marks on the apple. Another thing I like to do is uh, is hollow an apple out. That is, uh, core it, but leave a little plug at the bottom. And uh, for a savory, savory version, you can fill the apple with pork sausage and smoke it. So you, they get that kind of sweet and salty and porky and fruity. Uh, just makes a great dish for breakfast, great side dish, and uh, even a even kind of a light uh, light main course uh, brunch dish. Uh, and then, you know, there's what I call the baked quote-unquote apple, or in this instance, smoke-roasted apple, where, again, uh, you would partially hollow out the apple, fill it with brown sugar, butter, rum, raisins, uh, top it with granola, plug up that hole with a marshmallow. I mean, there's so much you can do with an apple. It's funny, Greg, I... Many years ago, I was visited by a, uh, a Japanese television chef uh, in Martha's Vineyard, and he brought this bag of mystery ingredients to my house, sort of a, a stump Stephen Reichland kind of, can he really grill this? <laughs> and one of the things he brought was uh, something called a azuki bean paste. It's a sweet, 
very sick, sweet, thick red bean paste that's used in a lot of uh, desserts in Japan and China throughout Asia. So uh, I, I hollowed out an apple and I stuffed it with this azuki bean paste and cream cheese. So you had kind of the sweet, earthy bean and then the creamy kind of tart cream cheese. And I smoke roasted it, that is, indirect grilled it with a handful of apple chips on the coals. Mm. And it blew everybody away. So, I mean, there is just so much you can do with apples and uh, live fire cooking. You know, when you have this guy show up and he's doing the, the stump Stephen and you see what he has, you know, is that a recipe? And let me backtrack just for a second. I'm constantly fascinated by, you know, the, the food bloggers that I have on my show and folks like yourself who have written you know, any number of cookbooks and, and really put recipes on paper for the general consuming public to not only uh, try for themselves, but eat and, and adjust to, to however they want to, uh, you know, working off of your base. But how are you, how does the mind work for you? Cause I'm not the recipe guy. If that guy showed up at my door, he would stump me in five seconds. You know, when you see that bean paste, are you automatically thinking of other things that are going to go with it? Is that a recipe that you had already had in your back pocket? It, it just continually fascinates me to have, you know, guys like yourself, probably go into a grocery store and think of 20 different things that you didn't think about the last time you won it. Well, uh, this is how my mind works. And, uh, you know, I've always tried in my books and my, uh, my classes and TV shows to sort of teach process. And for me, a recipe is a springboard. Uh, I mean, I almost never make the same dish twice the same way which drives my wife crazy because, uh, you know, she'll say, God, remember how you made that, you know, last summer? Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm one to 15 different variations since then. But, uh, you know, I think once you, you know, once you know the principles, uh, and, and I mean, also, you know, there's nothing like live television to, to sort of be a motivator and instill panic, terror and inspiration. So, uh, this guy had flown in all the way from Japan. They had brought uh, a TV crew. Uh, the uh, the stakes were high because I knew that if I did well with this one, they were going to invite me back to Japan, uh, which ultimately led to a battle with the Iron Chef in Japan. Uh, but he brought some weird stuff. He brought, uh, let me see what else. He brought something called uh, uh, Gobo, which is burdock root. You know, it's a long, slender, very fibrous root, kind of a little bit sweet. And um, and that was pretty good. And I I, uh, I poached that in a little bit of uh, cinnamon syrup to soften it up and then wrapped strips of, uh, of ham around it and grilled it. And everybody, everybody thought that was pretty good. And then he brought this stuff. It was this weird sort of fermented cod roe. Uh, think sort of like kimchi meets caviar. Uh. Uh, and uh, I was a little bit stumped by that at first, but then uh, we had some really beautiful oysters from uh, Katama Bay. So I shucked the oysters. I put the cod roll on because I figured, you know, brine plus brine, it's hard to go wrong with that, yep. uh, a little butter. And uh, and the cod roll kind of turned into these crunchy little bits as it cooked. Um, that was really good. Uh the one, the toughest one was there's something called natto, N-A-T-T-O, which is uh, the sort of slimy fermented soybeans that sometimes you get at esoteric sushi bars. And I sort of think you have to be Japanese to really appreciate it. Uh, I not remember what I did with that. I think I, I stuffed that into something, and that was the only thing I sort of wouldn't have eaten twice. But 
I guess it worked because uh, a month later I was on a plane to uh, plane to Tokyo uh, uh, for that Iron Chef battle. So that was now it's uh, you know that's just how my mind works. I mean, but if you know if you give me a list of uh, list of uh, tasks that a responsible human being should do, uh, I probably couldn't do it. But thinking about <laughs> connections with food like that works all the time. Stephen Reichlin is our guest. BarbecueBible.com is website if you want to check it out. Uh, so if we retreat back to the apples just for a second here, Stephen, before we move on, sure. um, obviously a number of different varieties, some I would imagine might lend itself to being cooked more than some of the other ones, which might lend itself to being you know, maybe eaten better in its raw state. How do you decipher which should be which? Well, I sort of approach it a little bit differently, uh, um, Greg. I... Uh, I look first for what is local, what is in season. And particularly when I'm in New England, you know, what can I get kind of this week in this place that I couldn't get somewhere else? So that leads me to like, uh, well, this, the, the season's over now, but end of September, we get this wonderful uh, apple called a macoon, which I don't think you see uh, outside, of, uh, outside of New England or Massachusetts. Um, and it's when you get it the first few days off the tree, it's crisp, it's tart, it's really lovely. And then sort of about a week into the season or two weeks into the season already, it has that kind of soft Macintosh mealiness, uh, which I don't like. Um, down in, here in Florida, you know, we don't grow, uh, apples in Florida. So, you know, honey crisps are oh. always pretty, uh, reliable. Uh, Fuji's are pretty reliable. Um, not the only thing. I don't use a lot of red delicious. I don't use a lot of yellow delicious because they, to me, they just taste so generic. But any rate, think local and think seasonal. All right. So uh, aside from the the dishes that you uh, just explained with the apples, were there any other ones? Uh, you know, maybe coming up for Thanksgiving or or ones that uh, because we're in this type of a season, uh, being fall, kind of transitioning into winter here sooner than later. Unfortunately, at least for us, not uh, so much you in Florida, but. Uh, you're obviously familiar with that weather aspect. Uh, are, are there certain dishes that you turn towards at this time of the year that uh, really involve the apple? Um, well, let's see. Um, I'll be honest with you. The, you know, especially down here in Florida, um, where our apples come from somewhere else, uh, most of the time I'm eating them. Um, sometimes I make an apple slaw. That's really good. Uh, uh, you shred apples or julienne apples uh, in a food processor, mix it in with uh, with shredded cabbage, uh, and that makes a really nice, refreshing slaw uh, for an apple-smoked pulled pork shoulder that you then turn around and make a vinegar sauce with apple cider and apple vinegar. Um, uh, that's a big dish. Uh, another uh, another uh, fall, it's not a fruit, it's a fall vegetable I've been thinking a lot about. Uh, is uh, acorn squash. We've been starting to get some really beautiful organic acorn squash down here. And I have this affliction in my family. Uh, it's a daughter who's a dietitian who is a very militant, meatless, Monday kind of gal. Uh, I say that tongue-in-cheek. She's actually, actually a fabulous cook. And uh, and so whenever we go over uh, over her house uh, for dinner on Monday, it's, it's sort of uh, meatless Monday. So We've been playing a lot with acorn squash, cut them in half, stuff them with really uh, 
interesting, like, a, you know, wild rice and apple stuffing that's really great. Uh, or, uh, you know, nuts, apples, uh, celery, onions, sautéed, uh, maybe some smoked cheese. And you indirect grill that. It's actually a technique I call smoke roasting, which means indirect grilling with wood smoke on the coals. Uh, it differs from smoking in that it's done at a higher temperature, 350 as opposed to 250. Uh, just until, you know, the, you, you do the Charmin test on the side of those squash. Uh, that is, you squeeze the sides, and when they're squeezably soft, they're ready. That is really delicious. And there are lots of applications for that for, uh, for uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, we ought to, we're going to be doing on my website uh, the whole month of November. We're going to be doing variations on a theme of uh, of turkey. Uh, first up next week will be a spit roasted uh, uh, Cuban marinated adobo turkey uh, with uh, with mojo sauce, and then we're going to move to a bourbon brined uh, New England turkey, Ooh. a beer can turkey. So uh, maybe we can check in again in uh, November and, and kind of talk more fall foods on the grill. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll do that. Um, you know, kind of things that lend itself to grill here, and, and this will be the last topic before I turn you loose tonight and appreciate the time, Stephen, is, uh, you know, rubs. Uh, people that are getting into barbecue, people are getting into grilling, and they learn more and more about it. Obviously, one of those staple items is favorite rubs, and, you know, you probably come up with a million of them. You can find them all over your cookbooks and so forth. But just, I guess, in general, for the intermediate to, to beginner listener here of this show and kind of getting into the subculture, general rub recipes or suggestions, because I think it's important that for these folks to, uh, what I call, uh, have their own barbecue, that it, it is important. And while there's a billion great commercially produced rubs nowadays, more than there's ever have been even in the last three or four years, you know, to make your own rub, to make your own sauce while you're making your own barbecue, it's really yours because from start to finish, you've had a hand in, in making those flavor profiles. So, you know, maybe some suggestions on, on things that might work well for people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, and I guess I'll put myself out of business here because I will <laughs> give you the secret formula for my best of barbecue all-purpose rub. But, uh there's only one formula, Master Rub, you need to learn. It's super easy. I call it uh, a 4-4 rub or Reichland's rub. And it's equal parts salt, pepper, paprika, brown sugar. I repeat, equal parts salt, pepper, paprika, brown sugar. Now, that can be customized infinitely. So let's think about a couple ways. Instead of regular salt, you could use smoke salt. Instead of regular paprika or sweet paprika, you could use either hot paprika or smoked paprika, which is called pimenton. Instead of brown sugar, you could use dark brown sugar, you could use light brown sugar, granulated sugar, sucanat, cinnamon sugar. I mean, so there's tremendous variation in that. And in terms of pepper, uh, white pepper, black pepper, you could use chili powder, you could use cayenne pepper, although in that instance I wouldn't go quite 25% of the rub in <laughs> cayenne pepper. Uh, and then, you know, some other tweaks. I mean, garlic powder is a no-brainer, onion powder is a no-brainer, uh, celery seeds a no-brainer. So with that basic formula, I mean, I'm sure you and I could just sort of sit down and knock out about 30 or 40 different rubs. <laughs> but and, and by the way, I'll tell you where I got that recipe. It's, uh, it's really interesting about 
Ten years ago, there was a fabulous novel uh, set post-Civil War in the hills and the mountains of uh, North Carolina, and it was called Cold Mountain. Did you ever read that? It was also a movie with uh, Rene Zwilliger, who played a fabulous, sassy blonde in that movie. Cold Mountain. Did you ever read it? No, I, I didn't. Terrific National Book Award winner. And... Uh, and such is the, was the vivid power of that writing. At one point, one of the characters, uh, uh, managed, you know, in the sort of with the collapsed Southern Civil War economy, it was uh, everybody was reduced to a barter system. So somebody <laughs> found some coffee or somebody slaughtered a, ca- a cow and they got a brisket and they swapped that for some coffee beans and swapped that for some firewood. So, uh, so this gal gets a brisket. And so she takes, uh, in this writing, she takes a teacup each of salt, pepper, paprika, and sugar, makes a rub, (laughs) and then uh, wraps the brisket in sort of this oil paper and buries it in the embers of her fireplace overnight. And it's the kind of thing where I read that and I said, I know what that tastes like. I know what that rub tastes like. I know what that brisket tastes like, and I want some now. So... There you have it, the one and only uh, rub you ever need, inspired by uh, a great work of American fiction. All right, well, i got to go pick up that book for sure. Uh, one quick question before I let you go, and this kind of ties in. You can have we as many as you want. Perfect. Uh, i got a question coming in from uh, Matt, and he said, not sure if this is a good question for anyone tonight, but I think it is for you, especially considering our uh, last topic of conversation. When layering rubs and spices, if you want to... Uh, if you want to sweet with heat using habanero type spice, would you put that on first or last when you're combining it with a sweet rub? Oh, uh, wow. Well, that's pretty. Um, that's a pretty interesting question. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I like hot and spicy food as much as the next guy. Uh, but habanero uh, powder in rubs should be used judiciously. I think we should say that right off the bat. Uh, I have it in just one of my rubs, my Island Spice rub. Uh, I would put it on first. Uh, I would let it kind of the, the heat penetrate in one direction into the meat and the other direction into your mouth. Uh, I'd use it very judiciously. Um, and what I'd be going for is that sort of smoky apricotty flavor rather than just sheer terrorizing heat. Stephen Reichlin is a multiple-time author, a TV host, a cooking class instructor, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, become kind of a regular fixture around these digs here at the Barbecue Central Show, which we certainly appreciate. Stephen, always appreciate the time, and uh, we'll look for you again next month. Great. Thanks a lot, and come check us out on uh, the website, barbecuebible.com. There he is, Stephen Reichlin, ladies and gentlemen. And as he said, uh, barbecuebible.com, his website, if you haven't checked that out. Look, two great websites tonight that we're talking about. Meathead, AmazingRibs.com, Stephen Reichland, icon in the industry, barbecuebible.com. We're trying to lock him down for like the once a month, this two. I get all these guys once a month, I can start making custom intros. All right, uh, John Truppiano coming up out of the break. Butcher's Barbecue, folks, is pretty much where it's at. Injections. I don't know if you were in the chat room earlier tonight when we were talking with Meathead, talking about injection of turkeys, poultry, and the like. Uh, look, if you're looking to do your own injection, how about a little thing called Bird Booster, folks? 
Dave Bosca has hit it out of the park with pork injections, with beef injections, and now he has Bird Booster. It is giving you three times more yield in moisture than meat. So, you know, brining is going to get you 7%. Injecting with Bird Booster, 21%. So three times more. You don't want three times the juice. Dare I say three times the succulents. Hey, that's on you. And don't forget, uh, as mentioned, you can get all the other great products from Butcher's Barbecue as well. The beef injection, the uh, prime injection, the pork injection, of course, bird booster that I just mentioned, butcherbbq.com, the place to get it. And of course, if you're looking for a go-to rub or sauce, you have hit the mother load here as well. Don't want to do the 4-4 rub that Stephen Reichland was just talking about? Save yourself a little headache, a little time. Maybe you're lazy. Maybe you just want to buy awesome-tasting stuff. That's fine. Butcher's Barbecue. Winner all along the line here. Steak and brisket rub, the honey rub, the premium rub. Especially if you inject with butchers, it's formulated to work with the injection. A perfect one-two punch to impress your friends and judges if you're on the competition trail. Last but not least, of course, that sweet barbecue sauce that Butcher's Barbecue makes. Uh, wins in every category for me. Not overly sweet. Uh, sweet, a nice slice of tang. Just the right amount of back-end heat and no liquid smoke, which I absolutely adore. And no worries about breaking the bank on shipping either. Items totaling up to $55 ship at $8.50. $55 ship at $9.75. Anything over $200 ships for free. So what's the bottom line? Moral of the story, buy $201 worth of products and save on all of the shipping. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Stock up right now. With a sauce, buy six. Save yourself the headache. You'll say you'll thank me later. ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. Back with John Trupiano right after this. Stick around. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs. And the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right. Everybody loves this song. This is uh, the song Sweeping the Nation by uh, Obsessive Compulsive Barbecue uh, Joe Hayes. I mean, it's... Uh, it's it's something. I guess we can just say that. It's something. All right. Uh, helping me close it down tonight, a guy who loves him some tailgate, so much so that he and his brother are putting rubber to the road, traveling to cities across the great country of ours and getting down parking lots of their football teams. Let's welcome first-timer to the show. Hopefully I'm saying it right. Uh, John Trupiano joining you. John, how are you, buddy? Greg. Hey, nice to, uh, nice to meet you here. Yeah, you too. Appreciate you making time for the show tonight, John. You know, probably a billion different places that we can start here, uh, but why not the obvious question first? Maybe, you know, a little background about yourself personally and uh, maybe professionally as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, probably the thing that's most interesting is that uh, I've decided to become a professional tailgater. Uh, last fall, my brother Mike and I, we set out um, on a journey where we rented an RV and we hired a film crew and... We drove 25,000 miles to visit all 32 NFL home teams and uh, go party at the tailgates with all the fans there. And so we did all 32 NFL teams in just 17 weeks last year. So where exactly is the application for professional tailgate? 
Well, maybe I missed that in the one ads or something. But uh, I mean, did you just? Uh, are are you a sports fan who like to tailgate or tailgater who likes sports? I mean, they seem it's like a similar question, but honestly, it's probably two different things. Which one are you? So I'm probably a sports fan, uh, you know, first and foremost at heart. Um, you know, I mean, the idea originally came about just like, you know, any two kind of like big football fans or big sports fans. My brother and I, uh, you know, we're sitting around and probably, you know, cracking jokes a little bit here and there. And we said, hey, let's, uh, you know, let's go see if we can't go to, you, you know, go to all the football, uh, uh, all the football stadiums in the league. And, um, you know, it was sort of a, you know, something we didn't take very seriously at first, but, um, uh, you know, we were sort of looking at our schedules and whatnot and, you know, we found a way for us to actually sort of take off, you know, the entire fall of 20, uh, of 2012 and actually make it a reality. So, you know, now there's all sorts of weird, obvious questions that are just rolling in. So, I mean, you know, you don't seem like you're 55 and, you know, you've made a billion dollars and you're just looking to burn money like crazy. So, uh, you know, I mean, how, how are you, are you getting sponsors, uh, from from when you and your brother decided that this was going to be reality versus just thinking about it, you know what were the things that you had to put together, maybe even from like a business plan standpoint or financially to make all this stuff. I mean, you're hiring a film crew. Uh, hello, that costs some money, and then you're taking twenty five thousand miles across country. Uh, what are those things that you had to consider and make happen first before it became reality? Uh, yeah, uh, very good question. Certainly. Um, I mean, first of all, it's worth noting that we spent five months planning this project, uh, full as a full-time job before we even hit the road. So basically about April 1, 2012 is when we decided, Hey, we're going to go ahead and do this thing. And, you know, it, it, my brother and I, our backgrounds are as technology entrepreneurs. We both have, uh, developed and sold successful software companies, uh, which you know has given us certainly a lot of experience in terms of like organizing things and putting like large large scale projects together. Um, when we started to put this together, our original thought was let's do this as kind of a fun thing. But then we started to look at the cost structure and sort of all of the costs that were going to go into it. You know, you pointed out driving twenty five thousand miles <laughs> in an RV that we don't own with a film <laughs> crew that's not our friends is certainly costs a lot of money, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, our initial, you know, our very first thought was that this is, this actually sounds like a very sponsorable thing, you know, something that like a Pepsi or a Budweiser or a Ford might get behind, right? Um, you, you know, so our thoughts turned to how can we sort of raise money to actually, uh, you know, get someone behind this and allow us to do this without, you know, basically uh, cleaning, you know, you, you know, cleaning us out. Um, in the end, uh, for the project that we actually did, my brother and I ended up footing pretty much the majority of the bill. Um, but over the course of doing that, uh, you know, in terms of bringing the film crew together and everything like that, we actually have formed a production company out of it. And so we've actually done subsequent projects now as a result of sort of our successful journey the first time around. So after you get through that first season, as you said, you get your wares about you, you're able to develop production companies and all this stuff. Do people take a look and, and take notice of what you're doing, bigger companies, and say, hey, we want to jump on board and, and sponsor you and hang some of our signage up because you're going to be in front of all these people. They're going to be drinking and eating and going crazy and vomiting potentially at the end of, uh, at the, end of the day, if, if it was a good day. Uh, <laughs> does, that, does that come about? Um, it, I mean, it doesn't come about without uh, you know, actually putting the work in. I mean, nobody's coming to me and saying, hey, 
I want to give you a whole bunch of money. Here, here's a big pile of money. You know, go out and do this for us. Um, but what it, what it really is, is it's, it's a portfolio piece. And so our project, uh, which is a 32-part travelogue, um, I guess I haven't told you exactly what we created, but every city that we went to, we created a six- to eight-minute episode that features the fans of those cities, the traditions uh, that they carry on regionally, um, giving you sort of insights into sort of how the fan bases differ from one part of the country to the next, uh, you know, the foods that they cook up, um, and sort of, you know, just what the, you know, what the overall fan experience is like. We have that broken out into 32 different six to eight minute episodes, um, you know, totaling about four hours of content. And so we have a great portfolio piece. And this actually allows us to get conversation started, um, you know, with companies when we talk about doing future projects. So our, our follow-up project, actually, which has already been completed um, and was uh, bought by Kingsford Charcoal, is, is a show about NASCAR. We did a six-episode miniseries about the NASCAR fan experience. It includes things like how the tailgate differs from the NFL. It includes, uh, you know, sort of we came into it not being uh, NASCAR fans ourselves, but, uh, you know, the, the very first episode is about us learning what it's like to be a NASCAR fan yeah. um, and learning sort of how that's different. And we do some really cool behind-the-scenes stuff with the pit crew. We have a whole episode dedicated to Bobby Labonte um, and the JTG Doherty race team. Um, we've been able to get some pretty cool access just, you know, basically by going out and, um, you know, kind of just like taking care of business. Like, like, uh, you know, none of this stuff was handed to us. We had to make lots and lots of phone calls and send tons and tons of emails to get this stuff set up. John Truppiano joining me here on the show. We're talking about, uh, his show tailgate 32, which you can find on the internet tailgate. And then the numerals uh, three and two tailgate 32.com. John, at the beginning, did you ever look at, going to networks and, and trying to go the traditional TV route and then it landed, maybe nobody took it and it landed on the internet or did you think this would be best in web format right up front? Um, up front, I think we were very open to a whole lot of different ideas. Uh, we definitely talked to um, a handful of networks, especially after we got, you know, a half dozen to a dozen of these episodes out. And what we found is that, I mean, our style is a little bit more natural. We're not like we're not host holding the microphone in front of your face. We're not big giant personalities. In the end, we're the guys that you actually kind of want to go and tailgate with, right? Um, so we found, in many respects, that probably we weren't the most natural fit for television. Um, and so it's very experiential what we're doing. We think that anybody who loves sort of what we love can totally walk in our shoes. And experience what we experience by, you know, following along with the show. Um, and over time, we kind of learned that I, I, I really think that digital is the best outlet for us. And especially when you talk about partnering up with brands, like I said, we partnered up with Kingsford Charcoal for the NASCAR show. Um, you know, we retain a lot of sort of the creative control over those shows. We're not trying to shoehorn our idea into some some sort of formula that they've set up where. You, you know, for this sort of reality style of television that you see these days. Um, so over time, we realized that, um, you know, the web was really the proper outlet for us. So you're saying the tailgate 32 is not the duck dynasty of uh, tailgating show. No, 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 it's certainly not. It's, um, it's, I, I kind of think of it as, uh, you know, Dave Attell's um, insomniac, yeah. uh, but for tail it, uh, but, but for tailgates. Do you know that show? Oh, forget it. That's one of my most favorite shows ever. Absolutely. Or I guess you know, three sheets to the wind, so, something like that. It's, it's much more in that vein. All right, so let me ask you something. You know, years ago, uh, you know, this would either 
you know, make it to TV or it would never have been seen by anyone. And now that you have the ability to almost, you know, refine a project to a point on the Internet to where a network could actually stumble over it or, you know, I'm sure nowadays networks are actually trolling the Internet to see what might be pick upable. That's not even a real word. Uh, you know, but you see the progress from start to present day, and then you know maybe there's an offer from there for budding producers and actors and so forth, kind of guys in your position. I mean, that's a pretty big leg up to have versus even ten years ago, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I certainly think the landscape is a little bit different these days. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's pretty easy to get a new product out there. Um, I mean, from YouTube to uh, you know any. Uh, any other number of distribution platforms that are available there, uh, especially when you take into account that sort of the cost of producing this stuff is certainly going down every day. Um, yeah, yeah, I think there's certainly a lot more opportunity out there. That said, I mean, the, the, the network world is still sort of this Hollywood world that's actually kind of hard to sort of crack from the outside. You really still need, um, you know, an insider to walk you into the, into the door there to get something done. John, let me break format here just for a second and ask you an out-of-the-box question. Uh, are you a single guy? Because my sister's watching and she thinks you're pretty hot. <laughs> about that? <laughs> my sister, yeah. Um, I am a single guy. There's no way you could do this if you weren't single. All right. Well, sorry. Uh, you know, Sorry, Kate. I tried. Jeez, get off my back. All right. Uh, so, look, let me ask you this question. You know, you're doing the second season right now. You were in Cleveland a couple weeks ago, and I... Uh, remiss that we didn't actually get a chance to meet but uh, next time through no doubt unless well most people come through cleveland and never want to come back so that's <laughs> going to be up to you but uh, how did the first season go for you guys and maybe what are some of the most memorable things that happened about that first journey through so uh the first season i'd say we had quite a bit of luck with it um really what sort of opened the doors for us a lot was very early on in the season in fact cleveland was our second stop in the first season uh, we met some great, great um, super fans uh, in Cleveland as well as in Baltimore, which was our third stop. And these fans sort of opened up a big sort of network of fans around the league for us. Uh, you know, one of the biggest or, 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 or sort of coolest things that we do is we profile these fans in all these different cities. And, um, you know, once we sort of started to develop these relationships with these fans in one city, they were putting us in touch with fans in the other cities along the way. And it made things a, um, a heck of a lot easier when we were trying to film, uh, you know, a couple weeks down the line. Um, so uh, I think that was probably one of the coolest things that actually happened to us was that we developed like a lot of friendships with uh, people from every NFL city um, around the country. So, uh, you know, as you point out, we're going back around again for season two, we're not actually filming season two. What we're doing is we're going and basically reconnecting with everybody that we put on film uh, in the first uh, uh, in the first place, and we're sort of extending those friendships out. Uh, a lot of times, we spent twenty or thirty minutes with these people in the lots, but we just had a camera on them, and they were showing us what they were cooking up or sort of what their big giant setup was out in the tailgate lots. Uh, but we didn't get a chance to really know them. And this second time through, it's a lot more casual, a lot more social. Um, and I think that we're just developing stronger relationships as a result. Um, and I think that that's a really cool part of this year. John, let me ask you, because you were able to get to all those you know, home lots and see the animals in their uh, primal areas of awesomeness, is there a stadium or two or three that really stood out to you as one that you would want to go, you know, regardless of your affiliation and fandom, 
uh, but a place that just you were like, holy shit, I got to get back here no matter what. Uh, and so there's there's a couple different ways to sort of judge each of the different stops. Um, as far as stadiums go, uh, I think the cool stadium that you can go see is the one in Seattle. Uh, I think aesthetically it's the most beautiful one. It's set right in the middle of downtown. It has some of the most beautiful sight lines out onto the city from when you're actually in the stadium. That said, the tailgating there, it's there's the tailgating there lacks quite a bit. Um, Believe it or not, and I, you know, I, I, I'm not just saying this because you guys are from there, but Cleveland had one of the most memorable stops that we had. Uh, I mean, the Muni lots are uh. <laughs> impressive, to say the least. Uh, it's the only place that we started tailgating the night before. Yeah, right. But we have yeah. to get ready for the inevitable ass-kicking that's going to be happening the next day. <laughs> Got to dull the pain, bro. <laughs> one, of the, one of my favorite quotes, and it comes directly out of our Cleveland episode, is, we may that we we may not win the game, but we'll never lose the tailgate. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> right out of the mini lots there in Cleveland. So Cleveland's great. Um, another one that really stood out was uh, was Houston. Uh, believe it or not, um, you know, a relatively new team, but I guess they have a fan base that was, uh, you know, sort of left, um, you know, when 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 they moved to Tennessee there. But but Houston is one that really stood out. The team there really embraced the idea of creating a 12-hour experience as opposed to a four-hour game experience. Um, and so they, 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 they go to great lengths to um, uh, you know, make the tailgating experience um, really a first-class thing there. All right, last question before I let you go tonight, John, and I appreciate the time you've given to the show. And Everybody needs to know the answer to this. This is what everybody tuned in for. Who's got the hottest chicks? <laughs> San Diego cheerleaders. No doubt. I'm sure that was like the most uh, obvious, but I mean, it's like a whole different world down there, right? Greg, I got to tell you what, <laughs> we played a game of cornhole with the Charger girls in our San Diego episode. <laughs> really? We did. <laughs> a lot of uh, cast off to the right. Hey, honey, go pick that up for me type of deals, I bet, right? Well, yeah. like, actually, you need a cup <laughs> like this and throw it a little more gently. <laughs> Yeah, well, no doubt about it. Uh, we're talking with John Truppiano. You can check his website out at tailgate and then the number 32.com. Uh, a lot of great things going on there, uh, whether you're a football fan. And then, of course, as he mentioned, the NASCAR thing as well. Uh, really a website worth checking out. And, John, I appreciate the time you gave to the show tonight and kind of you know, pull that curtain back and how it got from where it is in the beginning to, to where we are right now. An absolutely fabulous story and one that I think was uh, well worth hearing. And, you know, let's do it again soon. Let's not be strangers. Hey, that sounds good to me. Thanks for having me on, Greg. All right, John. Take care. There he is. John Truppiano. And again, the website is tailgate32. Tailgate32. The number 32. Not uh, writing it out. Tailgate32.com. Man, that was... uh, Wow. I thought that... uh, Wow. Very impressive, to say the least, as far as getting that whole thing put together. Wow. Tailgate32.com. All right, uh, do you have a party coming up? Thanksgiving party, Halloween party maybe? Coming up in just a few short days. Uh, Don't be the fool that's stuck by the grill. You know, be able to mingle a little bit. Uh, The iGrill, a Bluetooth-enabled cooking thermometer that pairs with your Apple or Android device using the free iGrill Pro app. That can be downloaded in the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store. Bluetooth range up to 200 feet, so you can monitor your food from practically anywhere in your house. That gives you the free time 
to do what you want with the assurance your food is being cooked perfectly. Go watch the game, have a beer, have four. You're in the Muni lot. Have a case of beer and get to vomiting all it. Go watch the game. The iGrill has your dual probe capability, so you can monitor two different pieces of meat at once. You can also measure the ambient temperature of your smoker or grill using the ambient temperature probe. That can be purchased at iGrillInc.com. Now, within the app, you can set minimum and maximum temperature settings. If your grill or smoker gets too hot or cold, your smart device will alert you. Want some extra savings? I can dig it. Enter promo code CENTRAL at checkout for 15% off everything at the iGrillInc.com store. And don't forget they also offer U.S. shipping for free on orders over 50 bucks. The iGrill app on iOS has Facebook integration, so you can upload pictures of what you're cooking right to the iGrill Facebook page. The app also has a globe feature that allows you to see all the other iGrillers from around the world. And you can choose the graph to monitor the speed of which your temperature is rising. It's 80 bucks, so you know it's going to ship for free. Coming up this month, or next month, a little insight on the new unit. Let's just say the size is right. Favorite game show ever, the price is right. iGrill, the size is right for the new item. That's all I'm contractually obligated to say. www.willberightback.com. Stick around. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we're back. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Bobby's in the house. Watch it. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, all the way back in the first hour, we chatted it up with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. We talked a lot about turkey. What? Um, AmazingRibs.com. Second hour, we talked with famed author and overall barbecue and grilling icon, Stephen Reichlin, BarbecueBible.com. Uh, lots of great information there. Uh, completely revamped website. If you were, you know, a visitor of the old Barbecue Bible website, uh, light years improvement on that website. Props to Stephen for uh, taking that in hand and addressing it. Uh, lots of great content that is being placed in there uh, each and every day, almost it seems like. So uh, well worth a read. Add it to your favorites list, and you will see him uh, roughly once a month from here on out. Stephen Reichel. BarbecueBible.com, and then uh, closing it out with John Truppiano from Tailgate32, Tailgate, the number three, the number two.com. Check it out, man. Those webisodes are really entertaining and a great story from him. Uh, once again, no show tomorrow, but we'll be back next week for Tuesdays and Wednesdays, full board. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget, and until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.